0: The women in public safety podcast this is the podcast where women in public safety are honored and we talk about various topics that um, relates to females who are work in the public safety sector that could be law enforcement that could be health and medical that could be social work or whatever where we have to put ourselves in the front line to serve others in our community so welcome this afternoon, we're going to have a great topic today and a great guest. I'm so happy that uh, she is here. This is Catherine Chapman. Hope. And Catherine <laughs> Hope, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. And um, she is a death investigator. And I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, so she, um, her uh, job, she has an organization called Forensic Founds. And so I wanted to, you know, kind of pick her brain and see what type of uh, uh, experiences that she can share with us. And as a female death investigator, are there, are there any challenges or any triumphs or, or how is it different than your male counterpart? So I just want to say welcome and I appreciate you being here, Catherine.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you to you for shining a light on this topic. I mean, I think so often we you know, it's ignored or swept under the rug. Or I know for me, I was always like trying to make up for lost time. You know, like Mm -hmm. I always felt like I had to do more just because I didn't want people to think that I was slacking off just because I was a chick in the field. You know, (laughs) There you go. Right.
0: So with that being said, what's your story? How did you get involved in in public safety and law enforcement?
1: Oh, yeah, man. I've always loved kind of the abnormal um, since kind of CSI came out when I was a young person and, um, I knew pretty right off the bat that I wanted to work with skeletal remains. I mm. uh, loved reading the Kathy Reichs novels back in the day. Uh, Bones was mm. it hadn't come out yet. It came out when I was in graduate school, but um, and you know, don't ask me that in a public field because i would be like, no, I hate that. It's so lame, but <laughs> <laughs> I totally loved it, you know. Um, and so I went to graduate school uh, to get a degree in forensic anthropology, and I studied uh, human skeletal anatomy. And I thought it was just amazing, you know, there aren't many cases of individuals being found in the woods, skeletonized. Mm-hmm. A mm-hmm. lot of the stuff that I do, um, with a medical examiner's office was working on people who couldn't be identifiable. Maybe, maybe they were decomposed or they suffered a traumatic event or mm-hmm. had been exposed to burning, um, or we're in a mass fatality situation. So I was really able to use my education, um, not necessarily daily, but, um, very frequently in the medical examiner world. And, uh, and I love being a death investigator. It was always exciting. You never had the same case. You know, we rarely meet the same people over. Right, right. <laughs> Sometimes there's friends and family you do see more than once. But mm-hmm. um, so it, I absolutely adored my career um, as a death investigator. I did work. My very first big girl job was actually as a crime scene investigator for a police department Um, And I I liked that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also worked behind the scenes as a casualty analyst for the Department of Defense POW MIA accounting. Um, um, So that was a one year fellowship that I got after graduate school. And Mm it's basically recreating the last known whereabouts of service personnel from World War II. There's still eighty-eight thousand service personnel just from that um, from World War II still missing, and and there are still people. I know it's so amazing, and there's still people looking for them. We're still trying to create from the historical archives, you know, Mm -hmm. what exactly happened to them, and if we have enough information, we can deploy archaeologists to go and look for their remains, which is so cool.
0: That is cool. That's something I I love, like cold cases and things like that, missing persons. I, I would. You know, that would be my dream, dream job if I really had the opportunity. So walk us. What's the beginning? What do you um, first do when you've, um, you know, you're called out to investigate a particular uh, scene, death?
1: Yeah. So the medical examiner is different in every, I mean, sometimes within the counties that Mm -hmm. we live in. So um, whatever state you live in might be a little different from where I live. And um, there's also coroner systems in Texas, they have the justice of the peace. Mm -hmm. So the jurisdiction is kind of arbitrary. (laughs) Sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels like, so the first line of defense kind of to decide if a case is going to come in for an autopsy is the death investigator. Mm
0: -hmm. And we
1: ask a specific set of questions to find out if the person had a medical doctor, you know, what's, what's their age, what's their general health status, Is there any indication of drugs, alcohol, Mm -hmm. um, an accident, uh, something traumatic, homicide, suicide? Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure that there's someone around to call funeral home, uh, a funeral home. So we ask specific questions to find out if they can be released. Um, And normally, you know, if my grandmother dies dead in bed, she's got lots of medical issues. She can be released to the funeral home and her primary care doctor will sign a death certificate. But if there's no one to do that, say they don't like to go to the doctor, or if they're young, or if there's um, any other indications, then we will accept that case. Okay. And wh- by any other uh,
0: factors, would you like suspect a foul play? Sure. Um, okay.
1: Yep. So there's there's five manners of death that the doctor can list, and that's mm-hmm. homicide, suicide, natural, mm-hmm. uh, undetermined, and accident. Okay. So. A primary care doctor for somebody that's sick um, and, you know, elderly, they will sign a death as natural and that's fine. But they can't uh, based on our medical records and, and how funeral homes work and death certificates work. They can't sign homicide, suicide, mm. um, undetermined or accident. The forensic pathologist has to do that. Oh, and okay. it, yeah. In order to do that, they have, you know, they like to put eyes on the person because they're signing their medical license. Right. Um, and usually they don't go out to the scenes, you know, they're doing the autopsies during the day um, mm-hmm. under nice bright lights in a sterile environment. Mm-hmm. So we kind of go out and we're the eyes and ears for the pathologist.
0: Now, how closely do you work with the, uh, the detectives or the investigators who are assigned to the, to the case?
1: Yeah. So the majority of cases aren't criminal in nature. There's okay. um, a ton of other things that happen. So if there is a homicide, um, a lot of drug overdoses do mm. deploy detectives just because this is like we don't know it's a drug overdose until the toxicology comes back. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, if it's a suicide, usually the detective come, but yes, absolutely. We work hand in hand with the police. And they know, at least in the agencies I've worked for, mm-hmm. the medical examiner has jurisdiction over the body. Okay. And the detectives in the police department have jurisdiction over the evidence and the scene. And so, um, we were together, but we we're completely separate agencies.
0: Gotcha. Now talk to us about being a female death investigator. How how is that dynamic working with the male counterpart?
1: Yeah, it's funny. Um it's I started working for investigating agencies when I was 26. So mm-hmm. I was always this young, you know, really eager. I love my mm-hmm. job. I'm <laughs> very excited to be out there. So um And back in those days, you know, um, 15 years ago, it was pretty much a dominated field with men, older men. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I'm noticing for sure, like, I've noticed a lot more women being in the job. I don't know why that is. I think it's because it's a puzzle. Maybe we like to solve puzzles. I don't know. I think Mm -hmm. um, there are a ton of young women in forensic science as well and starting to enroll, like, forensic anthropology specifically, our enrollments are generally women and there'll be like one or two men in, in the oh, classes. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, I never, I am very good at speaking my mind. So I never felt like I was targeted or, mm-hmm. um, I never had any problems, but I certainly, like, like I said, I, I, would speak up when I felt like, um, there were any issues. I know. So the agency that I worked for, um, last we had to do our own removals. So mm-hmm. we were, one agency I worked with, we would contract a delivery service to come and actually remove the decedents. But in in this other agency, I had to pick them up. I had to put them in the body bag. I had to put them on the stretcher. You know, and I'm I'm not a small person, but I'm not mm-hmm. super bodybuilder, right? Right. <laughs> so I um I was not shy about asking for help. Um, but I, you better believe I stepped in and and did my share of mm-hmm. lifting. Um. I've, I've also had two kids. So when I went out on maternity leave, I did feel a little weird. And especially when I came back, mm-hmm. um, you know, having to pump while I was uh, breastfeeding. Yeah, that was really awkward. Um, you can get stuck out on scenes for hours without being able to come back to, um, to the the office and mm-hmm. deal with yourself, you know, so it's right. It was a situation that was awkward, but I was really fortunate to uh, to be born with this mm-hmm. ability to just speak my mind. This is what's mm-hmm. happening. This is who I am. This is what I need. And uh, and no one was ever too icky about it.
0: And I'm sure with that you know, type of your personality that you gain more respect that they know to back, okay, we, we, we're not going to mess with her.
1: <laughs> I hope so. Shoot. You don't want to get on my bad side, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs>
0: So um, what would you tell, how, what, what's your stress relief? How, how do you manage stress? Because I know, you know, being a death investigator can be a stressful job at times.
1: This is such a great question. Um, you know, if you'd asked me that three or four years ago, I would have said drinking a bottle of wine. And, uh, <laughs> and this is the answer that many people are handed when they are in first responder public safety jobs mm-hmm. is, you know, I'll just suck it up buttercup, have, some, right. you know, have a shot of whiskey and do your business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recognized that wasn't really serving me and actually stopped drinking completely about two years ago. And now I just there's so many more options for me to take care of myself when I'm feeling mm-hmm. stressed out from work. Um, But the very first thing we have to do is just process that stress. Yeah. Admit that we have it, that we are subjected to some really weird, crazy, abnormal things on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's okay to feel uncomfortable. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just saying that out loud really started to help me be like, oh, it's okay. And the more I talk about it with either just myself, so I journal a lot Mm now. I like to call it mindful decontamination. It's just like Mm. getting the junk that's in your brain out of your brain.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: Yeah. But once I started doing that, I started feeling more comfortable sharing with people in my community. I write a lot on social media about this topic and um, I've had so many people come up to me like, oh my gosh, I never, I always felt icky and I was embarrassed. I was ashamed to talk about me feeling stressed out and Mm -hmm. they feel much more comfortable now that people are talking about it. As,
0: you know, as we should, because, I mean, you know, we're, we're human, we're women, but we also have, you know, we have a, a we put our, I mean, we wanted these types of jobs, but at the same time, we also have our families and our children to take care of. And I think once we get rid of the fact that we are not super women, that we are, we can, we are allowed to have, uh, to feel, okay, I'm, I'm kind of overwhelmed, I need to kind of decompress give ourselves permission to do that. I think, you know, things would be a lot better for us. I think we put on a lot more than, you know, more average, and especially our male counterpart, all they can, you know, do is just sit in front of the TV with the remote or,
1: or, or do something, you or know, get angry and blow or getting, up. you know, right. they have these hair triggers that is, it seems like that's okay. Right. Um, and I like to tell people you make a good point is like, a lot of the times I felt like I should be sharing with my partner at home, my mm-hmm. husband. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I didn't want to traumatize him with the crazy crap that I was seeing. Right. So I didn't tell him and I don't want to complain to my coworkers cause they're seeing it too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, then I have no one to talk to. So what I recommend um, for people who are, are in this boat is you can silo people for specific outreach, right? Like mm-hmm. it's okay to talk to your husband about work or uh, home stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can talk to your colleagues about colleague work-related stuff. You know, right. it's not complaining because what it's actually is, is debriefing you and it's, exactly. it's bringing you down.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. So um, <sighs> tell us about Forensic Found. What is your organization? Oh, about?
1: So, uh, like I said, about two years ago, um, you know, I stopped drinking. I I went through this program called This Naked Mind. So Mm -hmm. uh, traditional recovery, AA, um, things like that are great for some people, um, Mm -hmm. but not for everybody. And I didn't feel like I wanted to. um, I didn't want to do that. And I wasn't going to do that. It -hmm. wasn't for me. And Mm -hmm. I found this online um, program called This Naked Mind. They have a 30-day live alcohol experiment. You can... um, watch a video every day. They have online live interactions, like nice, big, um, zoom rooms where you can kind of fade into the background and you don't oh, have to okay. be vulnerable, you know, in mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. Uh, but you're still learning. It's all about dropping the weapons of blame and shame. You know, alcohol is addictive to all people.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um,
1: anyway, I, I, it just completely changed my life. And it did take me about six months to stop completely and realize that I wanted to live alcohol-free and I'm, much happier now. But um in doing so I became a certified coach through their program because I felt like the method um of of building your sobriety in this program would totally work for public servants and I mm-hmm. wanted to bring it to them. So I created this business called Forensics Found and kind of the the our mantra, you know, my um my manifesto is just to help people who are doing a really hard job be able to do their jobs better. And whether that's with support with quitting drinking or just any sort of goal setting, um, you know, mindset shifting, just mm-hmm. feel it being supported. You know, the, the news media right now does not make us look very good it, <laughs> right. to put it lightly. So right. um, really it's just, you know, it's a matter of understanding, like we're doing really hard things um, and we don't necessarily get a lot of support for it. So um, I've created courses um, that people can do kind of on their, like as continuing education. Um, I do offer like one-on-one coaching, but you know, and a lot of it is just me kind of posting my story and sharing vulnerably. So people don't feel like they're so alone.
0: Wow. That's awesome. And, um, want to give you the, um, the, uh, give us the information so I can put it out there in the, in the show notes, but how, how can people reach out to you if, if someone is interested and want to kind of talk with you and reach out to you and you know, get yeah help. sure
1: so um my website is forensicsfound.com okay it's with an s forensicsfound.com um i'm on instagram at under that name and if you're interested in alcohol free support um i'm also on instagram under responders last call well, i like that <laughs> yeah Um, I have my own course. So I built my own 30 day course specifically tailored to people who have seen, you know, that work in public safety and talking about how PTSD affects our sleeping, how alcohol affects PTSD and our sleeping, how all this stuff is kind of wrapped up together. And when we wrap up addiction too, Mm -hmm. we end up a tangled mess, you know? So, um, I speak specifically about that. And, um, you know, you can always reach out to me there. I also have a podcast I forgot to mention. Oh, oh, so, yes. um, okay. yeah.
0: Put that on blast. Yes, let's talk about that.
1: We're sharing stories. So I'm interviewing people who are in public service jobs, um, oh, most medical examiner, forensic mm-hmm. anthropologists, but also detectives, um, EMTs, um, you know, forensic dentists, mm. forensic nurses. I'd love to have somebody from, um, from corrections on, just highlighting, you know, a normal day and what mm-hmm. what we do to kind of for self care and how to de stress after the day. Yeah. And what's the name of your podcast? It's called Forensics Found as well.
0: Oh, it is forensics. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'll make sure I will <laughs> put that in the show notes. So everybody. Yeah, there's can... so
1: much to do. I mean, there's not like one of the biggest things I heard from people is like we don't have a training in how to make death notifications. Mm, yeah. That that's yeah that's a great point. And if you go, uh, like, learning how to do that, you have to practice it, right? But it would be mm-hmm. really nice to have a little bit of some sort of, you know, education or some sort of field training right. so that you're not going in blind and making mistakes. Like, I, I'll i never forget, and it's a long story, but and I'll tell it some other time, but one of the biggest mistakes I made when making um, a notification to a family member, and it was so embarrassing, and as soon as I said it, I knew I had done wrong, but... In the moment, you're, like, trying to connect. You're trying right. to get information. You're trying to interview. You're trying to be patient with somebody mm-hmm. that's grieving. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. And and as far as I can tell, there's no training. So I'm building one of those.
0: Oh, that's um, awesome.
1: Yeah, I just want people to feel more supported in their roles.
0: Mm-hmm. So what exactly, I mean, how how did the outcome, did they receive, I mean, I don't want to, you
1: know. No, I mean, it was awful. It just, like, there's nothing you can do. You can't stuff the words back in your mouth. Right. Um, And, you know, she, I apologized. I think she appreciated that rather than just, like, keep moving. um, Right. You know, I recognized immediately what I said, and I I apologized. And I have my field training officer at the time actually still jokes (laughs) with me about it. Like, Mm -hmm. he brings it up all the time. You moron. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, you have to, you have to we're not perfect, you know, Right, and I was mortified at the moment, but you have Mm -hmm. to use it as a learning experience.
0: I I think what you're doing is great because I mean, I keep thinking about some of the notifications that I've experienced. I thank God I haven't had to do that, but I've had colleagues that, and you know, it it could be so, it it is a fine line. You don't want to be, you know, gruff, gruff. And there's a lot of, you know, people and i have to say most of them that i knew were were men you know it it was like this you know straight by the book matter of fact no empathy to the you know Mm -hmm. family and you know and and i know you need to get like you say you need to gather the information you know as much as you can but at the same time you know they've just got the shock of their life their loved one you know is now deceased and. Yeah. So and they're going
1: to remember that forever. Right. You know? So it's not that hard to take a little bit of extra time. Yeah. To let people know. And uh, on the converse of that too, is like some people dance around the issue. So mm-hmm. some people aren't straight up and saying like that you need to give the information outright, yeah. but you can also follow it up with, you know, information, facts and mm-hmm. questions people too are going to be in a fog at that point. So making sure you write stuff down or give them something to follow up with when they have questions is is critical, but grief, grief is hard. And, you know, most of us don't get into forensic science because we love giving people bad news. You know, we like solving puzzles. We also don't love working, you know, with, with grieving people. So it's like, we need that training. We need to know how to interact with people like that. And we don't get that.
0: Exactly. Well, keep us posted. Definitely can be posted on, on that because um, I, I would definitely love to take, you know, your, the course. Yeah. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, so other than that, what um, what quick advice would you give um, a newbie who would like to get into your type of field?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. So, um, you know, if you're interested in forensic science, I have, um, like, a top 10 list that I published that I'll I'll send you later that you can add to the link. Um, But one of the biggest things that I always recommend is try lots of different things on for sides. We don't live in a world where, you know, you're going to have the same job for 30 years. Both Mm -hmm. of my parents worked in the same place for 30 years.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think Um, those days are gone. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. My dad was a fireman at, at the D.C. fire department for oh, wow. years. Wow. And uh, my mom was an RN. She actually did change. She was an ER nurse for a while and then she was a school nurse. But wow, still like two places over her whole career is amazing. Wow. But so I think nowadays it's like you can try things on and just like a fingerprint match, like an exclusion is just mm-hmm. as important as a comparison match. And we can, you know, I loved working in crime scene, but I was like, Mm -hmm. man, not enough death and destruction. Like, let's go to the next thing, you know? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And I tried the behind the scenes stuff and did my, the historical casualty analyst job. I was like, this is cool. Not enough death and destruction. Like, mm-hmm. Let's move to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And I was out on the, you know, in the field. I was behind the scenes. I was um, working nine to five, you know, and then I was doing the evening shift. Mm-hmm. And so it's really a give and take. And there's no shame and new students just getting out there and trying a lot of different things.
0: Wow. So there you go. Um, it, it's a wonderful, it's a great, uh, opportunity. I mean, and if you, you have to have a certain type of mindset is like what Catherine said, because I, 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 and I understand, um, we, I know we have this sense of weird sense of humor. I know we've been known to have, <laughs> and that, that might be our, you know, coping mechanism. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, we, people might look at us are you know, we're weird, but I mean, that's our way of, you know, processing things sometimes, but, um, yeah, it's a fascinating, um, career and I would, you know, especially young ones I'm, I'm beyond the age of starting over, but I'm, I'm encouraging, you know, especially women. Um, I think we are more, you know, uh, analytical. I mean, we're very, um, we can use our emotions to our advantage because we can show more empathy and, mm-hmm. you know, sympathy, you know, and, you know, and we work well with the public. And I think we can, you know, that would be a great career, great career. So I'll make sure that I will put your um, website, your podcast and, you know, looking forward to your uh, wonderful uh, course on death notification, which is very much needed. Um, I think that would be a great uh, tr- uh, part of a mandatory training source yeah. for all all departments.
1: Oh, people need it for sure.
0: Absolutely. Well, Catherine, I thank you so much for um this wonderful conversation. Like I said, I am fascinated. Oh, I wish I would have had if I could go back to school. <laughs> and matter of fact, because I was looking on our um state website and I saw there is a forensic si- uh, scientist position that's open. I wish I would have had the the background, but uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if anybody's in Ohio. And when I work for the state of Ohio, there is a forensic science. It has a science um, background, anthropology background. You know, cool. there is a prison open. <laughs> so thank you so much again. And um, for those who are interested, women in public safety, if you're interested, I do have a, a Facebook group that I would love for you to join. Um, and it's called Women in Public safety. Just look for that and answer the membership questions, please. And then I will make sure that you're approved. And we just, we're just a community of women that just come together from all facets of uh, departments and um, just give us each other support. Um, we share how we decompress things. If things are going on at work, we share. Um, and situations like this, uh, I love bringing people um, people, fascinating people to talk, you know, to share their experience and give their insight of how they handle stress. Because I I know there's a lot of um, younger officers or or people in public safety, they are just starting out and they're dealing with a lot of things that they, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. us as veterans can kind of mentor, take them in and kind of, you know, give them that support that they need, that they may not, you know, can get anywhere else, but from someone like us. So we're here for you. So uh, thank you so much. Um, And um, I will talk with you soon. And um, you guys, please stay safe. Bye.